The words of St. Paul, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. My dear Christian friends, one of the joys of ministry is watching the word of God bring about wonderful victories, oftentimes in spite of ourselves. One of those cases happened with a couple in one of my congregations who were not only members, but were also actually good friends. The husband sadly found another woman and divorced his wife, walked out on her. And then he fled the help of the congregation and she moved away to be closer to some other family and we pretty much lost contact with them. About a year and a half later, I'm in my office and all of a sudden, the couple comes, into the, comes, comes knocking on the door. Faces beaming. And the husband told me that he couldn't live with himself for what he had done to his wife. And he left the other woman, came back and sought her forgiveness. And they were back together. They had reconciled their marriage. You heard the word reconcile in our text five times in those three verses. That word reconcile at one time meant, was, was, was used in the marketplace, meaning to square up, square up a deal, make, making change so that you paid the proper price for something. Um, later on, it really meant squaring up relationships, making a hostile relationship into a peaceful one. My friends fixed their relationship between themselves with some spiritual counseling along the way. Oftentimes, two parties have to sit across a table in arbitration or end up in a courtroom uh, trying to come to some sort of an agreement. Um, it, it could be a conflict between two nations. It can be a conflict between employer and employee or employees. It, it could be um, a, a marriage that needs mending. A lot of times in those cases, it's very hard to come to reconciliation. But, but when both sides can come to some sort of an agreement, we use the word reconcile. St. Paul wants us to understand that term now in our relationship with him, uh, with, with God. And, and in so doing, we begin to understand better this, this use of the keys, what, what he calls the message of reconciliation. Today we look at the keys to heaven and hell and, and our use of those keys. In 
negotiations, and I think you can, you can be honest and say this, that in any type of re negotiation in the, that need reconciliation, we have to admit that both, both parties usually come to the, to the table with a burden of guilt um, because both parties are, have made the relationship gone bad, whether it's a, a squabble among nations or a broken marriage in need of fixing, no one is really totally innocent. But can we say that about our relationship with God, the holy and perfect God, the God who is set apart from each and every one of us? Does God need to accept some of the blame for the fractured relationship that took place in the Garden of Eden and that, and that has continued that way throughout, throughout time? It, 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 does God have to come to you and say, I'm sorry, we need to fix this relationship because we both did something wrong? Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful uh, more deceitful than anything, it's beyond cure. Who can, who can understand the heart? And St. Paul in the book of Romans really helps us understand a little bit about our heart when he says, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There is no one who searches for God. They all have turned away. Together they become useless. There is no one who does what is good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They, they kept deceiving with their tongues. The poison of asps or poisonous snakes is on their lips. Their mouth is filled with cursing and bitterness. Their feet are quick to shed blood. They leave a trail of destruction and suffering wherever they go. The way of peace they did not know. There is no fear of God in front of their eyes. We can see ourselves in each one of those words. But can anything like this be said about God? We know the answer. Moses knew it too when he said, Perfect is his work. Indeed, all of his ways are justice. He is a faithful God. He does no wrong. Righteousness and righteous and upright is he. In this matter of reconciliation, there's only one group who's done something wrong, one group that is to blame. And we know that because God said the soul that sins is the one who will die. God isn't going to tolerate any competition from those who want to try to be God, who want to be on an equal level with him. We can try our hardest, can't we? This is the proof. We can try all we want to try to eradicate death. But in the end, a piece of plaque in the artery, or a tiny little virus, or maybe a moment of... of, of uh, of not being careful, a moment of forgetfulness when you're driving. That's all it takes, and we're dead. But our holy God lives on, and he's completely independent of us. God doesn't need us to exist or to be happy. 
Yet who is the one that wants to fix this broken relationship and to bring peace? Who is the one who wants reconciliation? Again, Paul says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he does this, as he says, because I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he shows that love to us in Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who did not know sin. He was tempted in every way. The fruit was there dangling for him, but he never ate it. And yet God looked at his son and he covered him head to toe with the filth and the stench and the corruption of sin, the sin that he hates. He made him sin. And then he unleashed the fury of his wrath on his son, on Jesus. And and he said, you are sin, die. Jesus, true man. Face the penalty for our sin for us. Jesus, true God. The only one who could carry that weight and stand up to the wrath of God. And the result? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, The one thing that that you need and I need to get to heaven is perfection. To be perfect even as God is perfect. And when Jesus took something away from us, when he took our sins away, he didn't leave us in a vacuum. He gave us his holiness, his perfection, his perfect life. So that if God were to ask you on the final day, Are you perfect? We can say yes in Christ. Because that's how God sees us. That's what he has imputed or given to us. One other truth we need to talk about in this text to understand the keys. God said that he did this for the world. He didn't say, God reconciled 99% of you. Because if that's what the Bible would say, what's the one question that would would be on your mind? Say, am I part of the 99% or am I part of that 1%? God was reconciling the world. And the proper way to read that text is to say, add your name. God was reconciling Tom Bauer. Add your own name. This is why when we struggle with those sins that vex us and trap us 
and we keep repeating them and feel guilty about them over and over again, and we begin to wonder, can God truly, truly love me? We know there's peace with God because he reconciled the world. He reconciled me. This is why we have hope. God came to the negotiating table and he did all of the work. He brought us into a right relationship with him. He reconciled us. And with all of the love and compassion that he can muster, he simply says to us, be reconciled to God. You can't bring anything to the table. Simply take what I give to you and take it all. And this is the ministry of the keys, the keys of heaven and hell. This is how it comes into play. The keys, were to, are, we will say, are that special power and right which Christ gives to the church on earth to forgive the sins of the penitent and refuse forgiveness to those who do not repent. Paul says here, and all these things are from God who reconciled us to, to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of telling others about what God has done. I remember years ago standing in line to go out to the Statue of Liberty. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people speaking different languages. It was, it was a sight to behold. And as I sat there, I, 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 I realized that God reconciled every single one of the people next to me to himself in Christ. Go to a Brewer game or a Packer game, if you, if you have to go to the Packer game, and, 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 and look at that crowd of people. Jesus made peace with every one of them by dying on the cross for their sins. How will they know that message unless we tell them? And the message that God wants us to say is so simple. God loves you. He has forgiven you all of your sins. That's the message of reconciliation. There's no ifs. If God loves you, if you do this, no need to say, just follow these steps and say these prayers and, and, and God will enter your heart. There's none of that. It's simply to say that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for all of your sins and he has made you right with your Father in heaven. But God isn't going to force his mercy and his grace on anyone. And so we understand the passage of the Bible that says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. There are always going to be those who will refuse the gift of reconciliation because they would rather try to be God on their own and try to make right with God on their own. There are those who will continue to turn away from God and return to their own life of sin. There are those who will find it offensive to believe that Jesus 
had to do all of the work uh, to make them right with God. And one day they'll stand before God having rejected that reconciliation and experience only his wrath and punishment and know what it means to die for sin. And the keys say, the key that locks says, if you want to live without God, you are forfeiting heaven and you are, are locking your own sins, shackling your own sins onto yourself. But there are always those who hear the message of reconciliation and word and sacrament and are warmed by the love of their Savior. And that's why we're here today, right? The words before our text say that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You and I were made new as we learned through holy baptism, right? And for you and I, we sing with joy, Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress. How badly we need to hear over and over again that message of reconciliation, right? We recall it when we splash water on our face and remember how the Holy Spirit renewed us in baptism. We cherish it when we come into his presence with, with, our, our, with our boatload of sins that we've committed during the week and the ways that we've shamed ourselves and the things we've said and done. And, and we come here and God's servant, the pastor, says, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we know that sense of calm that comes over us when we receive his body and blood in the sacrament and we are reminded that we're at peace with God. Now, friends, we are his ambassadors. When we teach our children how to say, I'm sorry, and God forgives you, we are teaching them how to use that wonderful key that unlocks our sins and takes away guilt. When we have a fractured marriage or a relationship with a friend and we seek to make amends, we can be God's ambassadors by fixing what is broken, by recalling what God has done. It's not easy. We all know that. But it's so important. When we are dealing with someone who is lost or who has nowhere to turn, and we show them Jesus, we are truly being an ambassador for God. We are simply saying to them what God wants us to say to them. And in this way, we bring about victories brought about by the, 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 the gospel. And sometimes those victories might be as big as a broken marriage being restored, but so often it's as simple as fixing an argument with an apology and knowing that peace is restored and sharing God's forgiveness with one another. I remember when we had a different Chinese student living with us and we got into a bit of a disagreement 
Jesse wasn't necessarily a Christian that I knew. And I said to her, I'm sorry for blowing up at you. And she said, I said, and I ask you to forgive me. And she said, I do. And I know that God does too. A victory of the gospel. All this is from God who fixed our relationship with him and brought us peace. So now go and be his ambassador. Use the keys that have been given to you. And let others know the peace that God has for them. Amen.